This is the Iowa State Athletics SciCast. Hi everybody, I'm John Walters. Today's SciCast is with Angie Ettinger, or as you probably remember, Angie Welly. This September, Angie will be inducted into the Iowa State Athletics Hall of Fame. And even from 483 miles away in Bismarck, North Dakota, Angie's love for the Cyclones hasn't faded a bit. We hope you'll enjoy our visit with Angie Ettinger. Angie, first of all, tell me a little bit about what that moment felt like when Lindsey Long from the Letter Winners Club called you to let you know that you're going to be inducted into the Iowa State Athletics Hall of Fame. You never think about it when you're playing, you know, like, holy cow, in 20 years, they might not have forgotten about me yet. And so it really was, I mean, it was, I was completely humbled and honored. A little glimpse of old age went into my mind because I know you have to be kind of old to make the Hall of Fame. And so I had a little glimpse of, wow, I have been removed from college for, I don't know, 15 or 20 years, whatever it is. But the pride, I guess, that I still have for being a cyclone, and and now it's a great excuse for me to bring my husband back and my kids and my parents and stuff like that. So it really is an honor to be kind of in in that group. Well, and it's not like your parents, Wayne and Jean, really need directions, Dave. I mean, they were down here a lot during your career. It's funny how as, as your years goes goes on, it progresses. Um, you know, the, the the first year they kind of came to those Saturday games, and you know, I remember by my senior year, I don't think my parents missed a home game. Um, and, and it is a it's a seven and a half or eight hour trek for them. And I'll never forget one of the games when we beat Oklahoma. I think they were one in the nation maybe at the time, and it was during the week. I think it was a Wednesday, and my dad and two of his coworkers drove down, went to the game, took me to Perkins. And then they turned around and went right back to work the next day. And so they were just so, uh, you know, watching it on Fox Sports that just wasn't going to cut it that senior year. So they did. They put a lot of miles and a lot of lunches in the coolers as they made the trek to our game. So it is. It's funny how it just becomes a part of, of the my your entire family. And they probably didn't always have ideal driving conditions either. That's right. You know, thank God they had four-wheel drive. But, yeah, when you're when you're traveling in North Dakota and Minnesota – in Iowa, that's where the chunk of your trips are from November to, to March. I think lots of rosary were said by my mom, and yeah, but they they weren't gonna they were weren't gonna settle for watching on TV that senior year. When you do come back for the Hall of Fame induction, how special it is that the coach that you played for is still here, having tremendous success, and kind of what that means to you to come back and see so many familiar faces. I think that is that is the huge thing. I mean, it, it keeps kind of. Not just Iowa State, but even that women's basketball family so intact still today. I have Coach Kelly on my speed dial, and I text him after games, and, and I, I scout North Dakota players for him, and, and send and pass names on to him. And I think for 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 him and, and Coach Harris, and I mean, my God, they're still there and kind of <laughs> building this dynasty that they have done. Um, I just think it does make it extra special because you know now I live. 11 or 12 hours for memes, and and I don't get back as, obviously as much as I want or should, but this is just the perfect excuse um, and reason to, like I said, to come back and, and make it a big Cyclone weekend for my whole family. I want to go back to when you first decided to become a Cyclone. What was it about uh, Coach Fenley and Iowa State that made you feel like this was the place for you? Coach Freeze, who is obviously no longer there, was a huge part of it. You know, she was kind of the one who recruited me, I guess, you know, the assistant coach. And then Coach Fenley, I guess, the effort that he put in. I mean, North Dakota at the time, we were we were funky. We played basketball in the fall and then volleyball in the winter. And, my God, he came – I mean, he came to volleyball games and basketball games and state tournaments, and he battled bad weather to come here, too, which, 
you know, I, I think it was just, I felt like, holy cow, they really want me to come. It wasn't just, you know, let's put, give, send a letter in the mail once a week and, you know, and, and call it good. Um, and I knew I had a great opportunity to, to maybe not play right away, but with Janelle Grimm and Jamie Olsen graduating, I knew there were, there was opportunities if I busted my butt, I might get to see the court a little bit. And I, I guess that's kind of what I was thinking at the time. And I just knew I wasn't a player that could sit on the bench. And so it was a good opportunity and a good fit for me to, to maybe see a little bit of court time as a freshman if I, if I worked hard, being that they have kids graduating. Well, that freshman year ends up with the win over UConn, the trip to the Elite Eight. What a special time that had to be. You know, and even in high school, I think that when I was my, it was my senior, I think that was, I think it was the first year where they'd, they'd won an NCAA game. And it was, it just, all the stars had aligned to have this, this perfect Cinderella story, I guess, to, to, to come into this program that it was the talk of the nation and they, they had, Coach Bentley had turned it around and they're sending attendance records and it just was, I mean, I have goosebumps right now. I mean, it, it really was. It was just the most opportune time for me, I guess, to get the opportunity to, to play for Iowa State. Well, then you made really a big jump from your freshman year to your sophomore year in terms of your play, what kind of turned that for you? Was there a certain point where you just kind of realized, okay, I, I can do this? It was my sophomore year, and something I take a lot of pride in is I'm really, you know, I've always, even today and as a mom and in my I in education, I, I'm just mentally tough. I mean, that's just how I am. I run marathons, and and um, kind of between that freshman and sophomore year, I did. I turned into, like, a head case. It was eating away at me, and it was, I was like, what is going on? Like, you're, you're normally so mentally tough and can withdraw this, but I think I was nervous that people were maybe going to beat me out, and I had – he'd recruited all these great posts after me even, and so I, I had put all this pressure on me, and I I kind of played, I think, maybe the first third or, I don't know, 10 games of the season to, to not make a mistake. You know, he'd keep playing me, and I, I, I didn't make mistakes, but I didn't get points. I never got rebounds. I just kind of, you know, played scared. And I remember when we went to Drake, for whatever reason, I have no idea. I still don't know why he did it. But Coach Finley had the game plan around me. He, I was, like, to get the ball, and I was to do all these things. And I was like, I'm nuts like <laughs> I was playing against Cammy Blackstone and I like a mental head case and I think it was like this weird like it clicked for me that he had not given up on me and all of a sudden I was like oh my god get out there and don't mess this up and I don't think I had an outstanding game but it was enough to give me that like peace that like yeah you're supposed to be here and figure this out and get over it and go on and that was kind of the turning point I think was that Drake game my sophomore year. Well once you turned that corner you certainly didn't look back. You're Iowa State's all-time scoring leader, rebounding leader, three-time All-American and you still hold all those records at Iowa State. You know what like I said though you don't you don't think about it like when you're playing you just like do it and you just I just ran really fast and made a lot of left hand layups and did whatever I could to help my team win. I mean, that you don't take the time probably to sit and be like, wow, you know what, I, we were kind of good, which is unfortunate because, you know, now 5, 10, you know, 15 years later, you know, we had we had a great run, and I think that that is, yeah. I mean, it just you don't think about the time, but we really did. Well, you made the NCAA tournament all four years. You went to two Sweet 16s, the Elite Eight. How much enjoyment did you get out of sharing all those great moments with your team? Right. So then we had set this reputation where you you make the you make the tournament and you host and you 
you do these, you know what I mean? You just, that just was like the expectation. And so then sometimes you kind of, you know, I think there, if there, then there was maybe a year where a team didn't make it. And you're like, well, do you know how hard this is to, in, in the Big 12 conference to, when you're not playing, like now as a fan, I think, oh my, to win a Big 12 tournament two times and to win the Big 12 conference and to advance to the second, that, it's, it's hard to do. But you don't realize it as a player until you become a fan. To do that year after year is, is quite the accomplishment. You mentioned your work ethic. Where did that come from? You know, I think a little bit it's just – I have a five-year-old now, too, and she's in little kindergarten basketball, and I coach her team, and she wasn't very aggressive on Saturday, and so I got so mad because I'm like, you develop it kind of as a player. I, I was brought up that way. You know, my dad is a perfectionist and, you know, works 80 hours a week. I had an older sister, too, who was in the Hall of Fame at Creighton and has done a mate, was, you know, was awesome, super successful there. And I think a little bit is just your your mindset. You know, and that's just how I am, you know, but I also think a little bit is you have coaches who know how to make, motivate you and Coach Benley just, he, every player he gets, he puts them, he finds places to put them in really successful positions. So if he has to create a new offense because we have a bunch of slow girls and we need to sit back in a 2-3 zone and that's how we win, then so that's how we're going to win. You know, so I think it was, I had a coach too who who coached me where I was at and gave me all these opportunities to be successful based on my ability and what I was good at. I want to talk to you a little bit about running. You mentioned earlier you beat other players down the floor. You did that over and over and over again. Why was that such a big part of your game? And what gave you the stamina to consistently beat other players down the floor? I think that kind of does go back to that mindset. It kind of became a part of our offense, you know. I mean, I, I certainly tried to rebound, but if I didn't get it – and um, be, being a four or five player, I guess I had the luxury. I, I'm pretty quick, and so I could beat maybe the the bigger post players down the court. But I'm also tall, so I also kind of had the luxury of being like, all right, if, if the post players are maybe undersized and they're trying to guard me, I can, you know, I have some height that I can be successful that way too. But it, it did turn into kind of a part of our offense where if I didn't get the rebound, it just took off. And then we had guards who knew to, you know, baseball it down the court to me and we could get some cheap baskets that way. And then it kind of became a competition with me. Like, God dang it, this is fun. Like I, we can, I can beat these guys at the court. So then it just kind of became a little bit of part of my game that unintentionally I think was not the plan, but. And you really haven't stopped running since. So you said you've run marathons. How many of those have you run? You know what? I haven't ran in a couple of years. I do some halves now with kids. You can't give up four hours of a Saturday, but I probably have maybe run seven, maybe seven marathons. Yeah, lots of black and blue and bruised toenails and battle wounds from that. But like I said, I have kids now, so I kind of I do more halves than fulls. But when I was single and right out of college, it, it was kind of the athlete in me where I loved it. I loved to have a goal and I loved to follow a plan. And I loved to train and had this schedule of, you know, go run four miles, go run 12 miles. And it was just kind of that athlete in me where I still wanted to, like, have this goal. Well, that's seven more than I've run. <laughs> you mentioned running the floor, Angie, but you also had some unique post moves. Was that a product of having a sister, or did you kind of develop those post moves over time? In high school in North Dakota, yeah, I don't have any moves. You just post up and you catch, turn, and shoot. I mean, you're 6'4", for goodness sakes, and... So I didn't, I didn't really develop probably a true post game until I got to, to college. And that is a huge credit to Coach Abe, who's obviously not there anymore, and Coach Pinchton and Coach Harris. I mean, it was more like your footwork and positioning and, 
and all those things. And that's probably where I really took off when I got to college is how to be a true post player. As far as the unorthodox scoop shots that, you know, went in occasionally from the hip, I don't, I don't know where that started, <laughs> but, um, you know, and being left-handed, I think that is, I had a lot of probably gifts or God-given things that, you know, I worked hard, but I, but I, you know, you're lefty. I mean, those are, they're hard to guard. I mean, I would forget that I was guarding left-handed people and I'm left-handed, you know, I mean, <laughs> I did have some things bounce my way probably early in life, but, but yeah, I, but the, the post coaches there just really made me, made me a post player when I started as a freshman. You mentioned appreciating how hard it is to reach the NCAA tournament as consistently as Coach Bentley has. How how closely do you follow the current team in the, the recent years? How how closely do you continue to follow the cycle? Oh, geez. Between, I mean, between the men and the women, I mean, I've got my husband. I think he has a, a cyclone cell phone case. I mean, we are like diehards. <laughs> Thank God that the men play on TV a lot. I mean, we, we plan our workout, nightly workouts and meals and stuff around when the cyclone men are on TV. The women are a little bit more difficult to catch, obviously, when they're on. But, yeah, we I keep track of them and – um, follow their scores and their games and, and things like that. And it's it's just the the pride that you have for it when you see Hilton on TV and the, the commentators and everything that it just is. It's I felt so fortunate to be part of that. You know, I was at the Mississippi State game and there was a player reunion that day. And during a timeout, Coach Family, he, he didn't really even talk to his team. He and the players just kind of stood there and applauded as all you former players were introduced. I mean, I just think stuff like that is so unique to Iowa State women's basketball and, and what a family environment it is. And for you personally, even though it's been some years that you're removed from it, it seems like you get back a lot. You, you try to make it back every chance you get. And I imagine that those relationships that you had with your teammates and with the coaches, I imagine those stay very, very strong. You know what? Yes. it's The, the hard thing is, is when you play for such – for a big-time college like Iowa State, you don't get to just recruit in Iowa. So, unfortunately, Coach Fenley brings all four, all of us in from all over, from Dallas, from Minneapolis, from Iowa, from Nebraska, from North Dakota, and we all come together, and we were the best of friends, and then we all scatter, you know. And so, <laughs> my, you know, my best friend Erica Juno is a doctor in Omaha, and so I never get to see her. We have to, you know, communicate via text message and phone calls and and Kelly Sizek, you know, lives in, lives in Iowa, and Stacy and Mo. I mean, we certainly all keep in touch, but it makes me sad that we aren't all still. And maybe it's because I'm the one who's not there anymore. But we all do kind of scatter. But we, we for a while we would keep our reunions. We'd try to get all get together once a summer. Sometimes it was our lake cabin. One time it was in Vegas. One time it was in Minneapolis. And it, it's it's just a bond that you have now, all because of a game called basketball that you you know you form this connection with people. Well, it's going to bring you back to Ames one more time on September 29th for the Hall of Fame induction, and nobody is more deserving. You're a first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, which you should be, and uh, it was just a lot of fun to catch up with you, Angie. Thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, John.